Hello and welcome to episode 37 of the Money Talks. And uh, today we are not inviting any guests for this episode simply because I think uh, the country is going through a very tumultuous time. And I know a lot of founders, both within and outside my network, have been reaching out to me asking for advice on how to uh, maintain business, how to maintain growth, in some cases, even how to survive in this uh, very difficult period. Uh, it's, it is, uh, you know, th there is a lot of uh, loss of life that is going on uh, around us. And there has been, uh, you know, it's, it's, I have had people that I know in business and I know personally that are no longer going to be people that I can reach out to. And therefore, I think the time, uh, well, you know, we have uh, certain responsibilities to the country, to, to our families. We also have responsibility to our employees. Uh, and so many of you who are founders out there, many of you who are uh, running businesses out there who are looking for uh, uh, a plan of what needs to get done, uh, you know, that's this is why this episode was scheduled. A lot of people, uh, like I said, have reached out. They've been asking questions and, I thought this would be a good time to uh, get a, give a chance to for me to also express, I think, how uh, we're advising our companies, we're advising our founders on maintaining business continuity. And so if you have any questions, just feel free. There's a comment section right there. Uh, you can ask your questions and I'll take them up one by one. I'll take, I've also got some questions that have already come in from people and uh, I will start answering them uh, one by one. Um, so like I said, the, the, the objective of, of this episode is not about fundraising. It's about business continuity. It's about dealing with COVID uh, for your business. Uh, how to, what are the strategies? What are the uh, you know, opportunities? What are the uh, ways to, to drive over what is definitely a very difficult crisis that is going on? So like I said, uh, I'll uh, take questions. I think uh, we'll get started uh, right away. I think the first, uh, first question, I think, and, you know, almost everybody would be interested in this is what is the business outlook for the next three to 12 months? Uh, I know Tashan, thank you for that question. So simply put, um, many of many of the companies that, that were in the offline business uh, that uh, have completely been disrupted, I, th I think you're pretty much looking at a washed out quarter. Uh, and therefore, uh, I think until June, at least, you should be expecting almost no movement. Uh, very little chances of doing business. In fact, today we had news that even the the, the main trains like the Rajasthani and the Torontos in India are going to be uh, won't be plying anymore from I think from as of Sunday. Uh, and I think that's also going to lead to further disruption of travels and further disruption of movement of goods. Uh, so, if I was uh, budgeting, uh, especially if you're an offline business, you know we asked most of our offline businesses to. Uh, stop budgeting for the year and start budgeting again month on month, just like we did last year when we had a 21-point action plan for our uh, for our uh, founders. And uh, yeah, we're back at that right away, right, right, right once again. So, Sumita, I see a question that's been asked, but unfortunately, your question is about again about fundraising and investor interest. It doesn't really, uh, you know, uh, talk about business continuity. So would uh, request you to maybe talk more about uh, how about about the current situation versus whether investors would be interested. I think there are many platforms where you can reach out to me for that. One of them being uh, www.shomitabani.com. 
facebook.com forward slash EMA. It's a great, great place where you could ask me that question. I'll definitely take it up and look forward to answering it. I think I'll take some of the questions uh, that have come uh, prior to the episode. So how should entrepreneurs curtail cost without downsizing? I think that's another very, very relevant question that has been asked uh, uh, prior to the episode, like I said. So there are several ways, I, th I think, uh, even and some of them are also strategies that were deployed last year. Uh, what what I would definitely uh, look at doing is that you know if you look at look at cutting as much discretionary spending as possible, right? So any marketing costs, anything where uh, you know, you you currently so if you're if you're an offline business or if you're in a business where you you're going to start um, you know. You're spending money to acquire while while the business out there is not working. That doesn't make sense to keep your marketing expenses going, right? That's a that's a great way to start cutting expenses. If you have an office space and you're not utilizing it, you know, cutting cutting you know renegotiating the rents. Uh, you know, for example, in our offices, we've shut down the internet uh, services. We've suspended all all telephone lines. We moved everything to Exotel online so that uh, we don't have those expenses anymore. Uh, and you know, and, and these little little things they start adding up. You know, if you think about three four months worth of internet expenses for any uh, decent sized business, could add up to be could have could have, could even add up to be a few forty fifty thousand rupees. It could probably be even bigger than that. Like we have a lease line, so it can work out to almost uh, you know a lakh or so per quarter. So every single penny that I can save and I should save, you know, you should find a way to, way to save that. Uh, you know, try. Uh, I mean, look, look, start at the smallest places and then uh, then you then move uh, on your way up. And that would probably be the best way to start uh, cutting expenses. Uh, in terms, let's see, let's take Jyotishna's. Uh, what is the most common mistake you've seen founders making during this time? I think, uh, unfortunately, these are times you can't really blame founders uh, for making mistakes. These are not, uh, these. No, nothing in our in any book or nothing in any uh, business course has ever taken or uh, given us uh, the ability to deal with situations like the ones we faced two years in a row. But uh, the most common mistake is to act slowly, right? As a startup, the biggest uh, the biggest benefit you have on your side, the biggest benefit founders have on their side is that they can act very very quickly, right? You have a small company, you you and uh, a small company in terms of the number of people. Uh, compared to you know some of the larger like the Tatas and things like that, which, you know, which are much bigger vehicles to to make movement, but that you can make very quick decisions. Uh, you can make very nimble decisions. And founders that do not take this opportunity to you know what I would call take advantage of the fact that they are startups, uh, those are the ones that are really missing out, right? And those are the ones that that uh, you know that that those are the ones that I would imagine would get swept away and would be too late. Some of the some of the founders that did not act in time last year uh, and then did not again act in time when the market turned uh, lost out on both sides. Right? So it's 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 the most common uh, mistake is to act slowly uh, to keep thinking that things are not things are going to be okay to not have the ability to to pivot and uh, all of those things affect uh, your survivability in the, in the long run. Um, I'll take take Mahib's question next. What do you let's see? What do you think about international inbound, outbound, and inbound tourism in India? Should India work towards a vaccine passport? Uh, I think I, I don't know if, if we are the right country today, Mahib, for for that kind of uh, 
tourism to come into the country. I think we're already struggling to provide vaccines to the people that are in the country. Uh, but I, I think, uh, you know, in, in the long run, maybe, it, you know, we could have certain, uh, certain outposts where people could come and get the vaccine. However, uh, that being said, that would probably probably mean countries uh, that are probably below uh, below us in terms of development, uh, and uh, again would probably lead to more bigger humanitarian crisis for us to deal with. Uh, so as of now, I don't think it is something the government will be looking at. I don't think it's a really uh, you know something that uh, many of these countries would be uh, accepting of. But maybe maybe in the longer term, in the once we have a much more stable uh, understanding of how this virus spreads, maybe that could be a great time uh, to rethink about this. Uh, Farhan, Farhan's question is, do you think uh, early stage deal making will take a hit due to the current situation? Should founders look to hold off immediate fundraising aspirations? Um, no, I, sh I don't think so. I think most, uh, most of us investors have been through this cycle last year. We've, we've seen how this thing plays out. Uh, thankfully, India, while going through its second wave, there are countries and there are regions in the world that are actually going through their third, fourth waves of this virus, and you've seen how uh, they've recovered. So, the the main thing that we're looking for in businesses that are that are coming to us is how those businesses are responding to the current and ever changing uh, business uh, uh, you know uh, scenario out there, and and that that is what we are really testing for. I think at least I'm looking for that. I'm asking questions to figure out if things turn uh, turn even further sour. What are the you know Plan B, Plan Cs? Uh, how is the business pivoted during this time? I think those are the kind of real uh, insights I want to see. I want to see the tenacity of these of these founders. I want to see how uh, you know uh, how they would respond, right? Because uh, while while I think uh, the expectation is that 50% of India's population should be vaccinated by the end of this year. Uh, you know, there could be another mutation. You know, Hong Kong's already talking about another bout of this virus. So there's a lot of different things happening, uh, and we, I mean, we want to see founders who are nimble, uh, who are studying the market very closely, and want to see that they are, you know, willing and quick, quick to respond to any situation. Um, let's see. I will take. Uh, Great question, uh, Deep, uh, Dr. Deep Lodhari. Uh, due to COVID in, in FMCG and F, FMCG, FB businesses, we are having a good chunk of money go, go to sales staff on the ground. Due to the lockdown, we have seen sales imp impacted. Should downsizing be considered? Uh, it's always a very difficult question, uh, Deep, simply because uh, this sometimes you know feels like the wrong time to be talking about downsizing and talking about letting people go. Uh, especially people that have been been there and been loyal to you for the long term, and this is not probably the right time to be letting them go. But again, I I, I said this I said this last year. I say this again, is that it's very important for you to see whether whether before you do charity, uh, you know, is do you have the cash reserves to make that happen? If your business is going to go under, and that means you you will uh, you know even other people whose families are being fed through your business are also now going to be uh, you know without a source of income, then you, you have to weigh, you know, which, which one of those two evils are you willing to take on? It's a very unpopular thing to say in today's day and age, but you have to understand that, you know, sometimes like some of our companies could be running 100, 200 people 
uh, and you might want to save every single one of them, but but you know sometimes you you have to see whether if you don't have the capital, if you don't have any way to to save the uh, save your uh, you know save have enough capital to save everybody, at least save the ones you can, right? And uh, and you, you again, I'm not advocating, and it's a very difficult like I said, it's a very difficult answer to give. But it's, I'm not advocating that just fire people for the heck of it. But I am saying that if you can keep them on, if you can repurpose them, you can give them other tasks, do that. Uh, try to find ways to make them more productive for you. Uh, but if it really comes out to the fact that listen, you've got three months of runway left, uh, and if you don't cut costs today, the business is going to go under and everybody is going to be without uh, a job, you know, and, and then you you have to weigh what, what which part, which one of those two eagles are you willing to, love, uh, willing to live with. Um, Let's see. Nihal, um, I'm sorry, you know, I, I only read the first part of your question. The second part, again, to raise, uh, to raise new funds, again, not that's not the topic of conversation today, but I would say, is edtech saturated? Yes and no. I, th I think certain parts of edtech definitely uh, feel saturated. But again, with this new lockdowns coming in, the expectation being that at least most of this or a majority of this school year, is going to be online. I think uh, there is opportunities for even a deeper penetration. Uh, there is going to be chances now. I think, and I see the government probably moving towards uh, holding um, examinations online because they can't happen in person right now. And I don't know how long this is uh, going to go on. So there could be some more new stuff coming in. You made a, we've made a couple of edtech investments recently. Another one that we'll probably announce shortly. Uh, and uh, you know, uh, it's. Uh, it's it's definitely uh, a time to look into uh, you know to see whether you can do something different, right? If you're doing the same thing what Baidu's is doing or what Unacademy is doing or or, or the or a different kind of masterclass uh, type startups are doing, that's saturated, right? But there's still a lot of opportunity uh, available uh, where you could you know where you could find a specific niche that you could go out go out and and uh, look at capitalizing on, and there's definitely a big space because I think the next year. Is again going to be a year where people, where students are studying online, and there's a lot of opportunity there because they're getting much more comfortable uh, doing that. Uh, let's see. Ashutosh will take your question next. Uh, so, your question is What's your view on senior care startups? Um, India obviously is going to have one of the largest senior care uh, you know, populations in the world, and I think we already are at home to, I think, the third largest population of people over a hundred uh, years of age. Is it third or fourth? I'm not really sure, but it's one of those two numbers. Uh, so now the, the real question comes in is that, you know, uh, who's going to pay, right? And that, that's what always has been my question, at least in India, because we, uh, unfortunately, many of many of the, uh, the senior care, uh, uh, people needing senior care that need assistance uh, are people that are probably don't, uh, don't have enough money to pay for it. So then, so it really is a, it really begets the question is how do you get, uh, how do you make that a positive revenue model? Uh, and that's going to be difficult. I'm not really sure. Uh, I haven't done enough research on that, but I would say that, you know, there's a, probably a small population of people uh, that can actually afford to pay. Uh, so if that, if, if that is not big enough, then you've definitely got, uh, you've got a business model with a lot of people, but with not a lot of propensity to pay. And you know, I've seen, I've seen models where people have tried to reduce the level of services, 
uh, but then you're not really doing senior calorie. So you, you gotta again choose, right? Which one uh, you wanna go for. And a lot of people are starting asking, are really asking me about business models. But again, if anybody has questions that would that they want to get deeper into uh, any business related issues that you have, would we'll be happy to answer them. A few more questions I'll take after the one I've taken from Tejas. What's your take on the retail trading and investing space? Uh, great as always. I think the Indian Indian market continues to do well. Uh, there's a lot of liquidity flowing around, a lot of money coming to India. Uh, and uh, giving you a bit of a, maybe a precursor, but you're going to hear an investment that we're going to do very very shortly. You're going to hear about it, uh, and uh, which is which is in the space. A couple of them actually, and uh, I, I just think that it's it's definitely. Uh, Something very interesting. People, people again, are are at home. A lot of people are out there trading. Uh, and if the current market conditions persist for a little longer, uh, you could see a lot more people joining this uh, the recent surge in the market and could uh, lead to some very interesting results. I, I don't think we're we're yet in the Wall Street bets kind of phase in India, but uh, but definitely a larger participation is expected in the in the market. Uh, so let's take let's take one of the questions that I had prior to um, how if we have to take salary cuts, right? What is the way that you would recommend the salary cuts should be? Uh, so yeah, I, I think I think uh, it's definitely a difficult situation when you have to take a salary cut, and you must tell your team that you know people have to take less than what they were getting earlier. Uh, but the way I've the way, at least the way I have seen it, is that you always start from the top and give the deepest cut to the people at the top and the lowest cut to the people at the bottom. Uh, because usually, uh, the salary of, of of the executive is probably uh, at least ten to twelve times the salary of the lowest paid employee. So, if you cut the top the top salary by twenty percent, right, it is probably equal to the salary of uh, more than the salary of the person at the bottom. So. I would probably grade it to saying the person at the top takes the largest salary cut, the person at the bottom takes the least one. One very interesting thing one of our startups did last year, and this was uh, pretty amazing, is that uh, while they gave everybody a salary cut, uh, they decided to compensate everybody for their salary cut with, with ESOPs. Uh, so if you were at a salary of 5 lakhs and salary was now 3 lakhs, for example. Uh, so for the time your salary was cut, that two, whatever amount you were owed was then given to you as an ESOP. Uh, and they, in fact, I, I think most of those uh, individuals have not opted to take the normal salary and continue to take more ESOPs in the company because the company is doing that well. So it's a it's a pretty neat strategy, uh, you know, and, and would definitely uh, segregate your uh, the people that really believe in your company versus the people that that don't. Because uh, if they really believe in it and they think they think the company has great prospects, then getting equity at par value for the value of equity that. Uh, they, uh, for the salary they've given up, uh, could lead to a much better payday in the future, uh, especially if the company you know pulls through and does well. Uh, and anybody who's willing to take that uh, risk with you, I think you should reward them. If I was in your place, I would probably give them 50% extra equity. Right? So if somebody's taken a salary cut of three lakhs, you know, uh, then I would say okay, here's four lakhs or five lakhs of equity in return because they've given up liquidity. They've essentially invested in your company. If you think about it, right? Because the cap, the money was supposed to pay out. Has not been paid out, so that money is saved. Technically, it is as good as money being invested. It's a great, great way to reward those people is to give them some great uh, equity positions uh, in your company. Uh, 
what are the things that worked for you during this time? I'm guessing this time last year is, is what you're saying. And what are the things that did not work? Uh, as an investor, I think, uh, or as a founder, I would say, last year was difficult because we were we were supposed to be closing our fund at the time and we had some uh, budgets made and everything went haywire because uh, you know, everything just shut for six months. Right? So there was no way to get new investors on board and we could not get our budgets together. Uh, so I think what I did was I took a, I, I took a salary, I took a, I did not take salary, I think for three months. Uh, and uh, to keep the company afloat, everybody else, I just ensured that everybody else got paid. Uh, once the, once we uh, started to perform again, and we got, you know, now almost uh, done with our final close, uh, the budgets worked themselves out. Uh, portfolio company rebounded really well. And then obviously I, I uh, whatever my salary errors were, were paid out and I was, I was fine. Uh, what did not work out? Um, honestly, I think last year, last year somehow everything just seemed to work out at the end of the, at the end of it. Right? I think we were very quick, and our founders were really uh, they, they were very quick and nimble on their feet. You know, I, I took I think eight companies into, into the the lockdowns with me last year, and we walked out with all eight. And uh, many of those eight companies have now become fantastically run companies, and they've become much bigger. And, leaner and quicker and fitter than they were prior to the prior to the lockdown and uh, one of them is just you know i mean a couple of them are raising their series a and uh, and that would have probably been another 18 months away but just the lockdown i think just it was it was just the right kind of pressure right kind of heat uh to uh you know convert what was uh, coal into a diamond and i think that's uh, it's really worked out really well uh, in the long run Uh, Ranjan Singh asked, what about the fashion industry? Uh, it's doing well. I, I mean, I don't know if there's been a lot of uh, issues. I just ordered some stuff recently off of Amazon. Uh, uh, obviously, the whole concept of going out and meeting people uh, and going out and choosing what I buy is not happening. Uh, but definitely, I think uh, people, there's a lot more discretionary income available with the middle class because they haven't, again, they haven't had a vacation in two years. Uh, some people that got out, got out for a few months on their back home. Many of the people are not, they haven't gone out and eaten. So a lot of money got saved. If you look at, if you really look at the, the middle, middle class out there, they, a lot of, a lot of their money got saved simply because, uh, well, they had a job, the avenues of expenditure, going to the movies, going for you know, uh, vacations, all of that has been taken away. Right? So there's, there's some, some more, uh, spending power, I would say in, 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 in this, uh, in this middle or middle upper class, as you would call it. And many of these guys would probably be uh, open to trying something on the D2C front. I think that's going to, that's going to be a very interesting thing to, to look into over the next, uh, I think 18, 24 months, we, you know, impact we'll have to study, but there's definitely an opportunity. Over there. Uh, let's see if we've got, uh, I'll take some, some of the questions from the prior two. Um, Good one. What are the actions that can be taken uh, to meet the needs of the stakeholders and address any doubts or concerns? Um, the best way to convert any bad news is directly, right? Whether it is when I say, and I think when, when, when the word stakeholder was used, I'm, I'm guessing that uh, what we're talking about is um, Everybody from your employee to your customers, to your investors, uh, to even your partners, uh, 
and maybe even your families, right? How do you how do you convey what's happening uh, to them? I think just give it to them directly. I think if you if you're gonna have customers who are gonna who are not gonna get their orders on time, might as well tell them right now what the issues are. Let's not wait till D Day and when and when they need uh, the input or whatever product that you product or service you promised them and they're not gonna get it. Let's not wait till the last day. I tell them upfront that it's not gonna happen. And, and how are you fixing the situation? If it's gonna be employees are not gonna get their uh, salaries on time or they're gonna have to wait uh, till things improve, tell them directly. Right. The best the, the best way to convey it is not is, is to pull it off like a pull it off like a like a uh, a bandaid. Right. It'll pain for a second, but at least they'll appreciate that you were direct with them. Uh, same thing with your investors. Right. I mean, things are going bad. They're going bad. Uh, go ahead and tell them. You know, don't, there's no need for them for you to to have a rara session with them while things are really falling apart internally. So better just be uh, be direct, be candid. And uh, they already appreciate it, right? In the long run. Um, let's see. Any tips or actions that can be taken to address the thing? I think that's the one that I answered. Uh, let's see. There's any other questions? Um, I think what another question that came in: uh, What actions can be taken at an individual level to reduce the impact on the business? Um, several things that I, I mean, uh, especially if you're a founder, uh, I think some of the, some of the things that uh, that I talked about earlier about the, about cutting any discretionary expenses, cutting down even the smallest expenses possible. Uh, if you've hired uh, recently. And the person you hired is no longer, you know, is probably in a redundant position, uh, probably furloughing them for a bit, uh, or just paying them a stipend, just just until things things turn around. Especially if you if you're, if you're in a tough cash situation, uh, giving you know, being open and upfront about uh, where the situation is, where things are with your customers, with your other stakeholders. I, I think this is the time for you to come out and just be open and communicative. Then trying to hide things. I think that's what that's what this entire thing, the entire uh, time is about. So that's uh, that's what I would recommend that you uh, that you do. Um, let's see. If there's any further questions, guys, happy to answer them. Otherwise, you know. Like I said, we're not. It wasn't supposed to be a very long session, so we'll look at ending it in the next uh, five or six minutes. Any questions about business continuity? Any questions about you know how to uh, survive this uh, this lockdown storm that, that we're about to go through or are going through at this point? Um, I'll even uh, remind you once again that the most important thing to do is 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 to survive, right? That, that's that's one thing that you have to look at doing. Uh, especially if your business is, is one of those that is getting hit because of the lockdowns, survival is the most important mantra. Conserve as much cash as possible, right? Instead of uh, you know, try to try to reduce uh, the burn of your business as much as possible. Uh, every single penny you save right now is the penny that you can utilize uh, when the business turns around. It really needs that capital to grow again. So try to save every single. I mean, every single. If you can find a two, a one rupee coin somewhere, just keep it. 
keep it keep it in the in the bank account and keep it safe because this is going to tide over i've been through i mean i was uh, i've been through the 2008 crisis and the 2012 crisis 15 crisis the one that we had last year so i've been through this cycle four or five times i've seen my parents go through it i've seen my partners go through it I've seen multiple business cycles it always always there's always a down and there is an up uh, but what i've seen is that if you if you if you haven't conserved energy if you haven't conserved you know, enough cash when that when that up cycle does come in you don't have any capital to capitalize on it and then you're you're you know you've lost a lost out twice right you've lost out obviously when the market was uh, you know turning south and you again lost out when the market turned around so i'll give it a, a couple of minutes if anybody again like i said has any questions happy to answer them uh in the next couple of minutes otherwise we will take it uh we'll take it for next week let me just check if there's any questions uh, yeah there's one question if i recently hired somebody should i let should i let them go yeah again uh, it's questions that you don't want to don't want to need to answer but if uh, again it depends upon the situation you're in if you feel uh, you've hired somebody uh, you were expecting you know a customer or some business to come in that's not happening or you found yourself in a difficult situation um, you have to make you have to make certain calls but you also must remember that person probably left their job somewhere to get here and you can't really leave them in the lurch uh, so you know see if you can repurpose them somewhere see if you can you know uh, at least find a way to keep them around as long as you can but if if it really it really comes down to the fact of survival uh, then that's that's when you uh, must make a uh, must make a hard decision and uh, don't take it lightly i think because you know last thing you want is uh, you know to to let somebody go in such a difficult time and then having to uh, you know having having that guilt over your head so uh, I mean, don't take it lightly but if you if you absolutely must and if, if it is a fact whether you know whether you drown together or or you know you save everybody else uh then then you know you may you know how to make that choice uh ashul that's a good question uh what are the industry verticals you currently are focusing on in the coming 7 months with respect to fund allocation uh i well i'm looking very uh, closely at at deploying more into direct to consumer I think the again the the distribution ecosystem that was just getting starting to revive on the offline bit started to started to fall away again. Uh, so I think uh, definitely looking at businesses that have a direct to consumer focus, I think there's going to be a lot of action over there, especially that that is not offline, right? If it's uh, if it's something that is selling direct online to customer, definitely very interesting to look at. I think fintech that's another that's the second one you know that. Uh, in the last cycle fintech was largely out of it right? primarily uh, edtech and health tech took over and maybe a little bit of b2b saas uh, but in this cycle i really think that fintech is going to be the one that's going to be that's going to really perform uh, and you're going to see because you know this is the year when i think most uh, consumer credit, most companies are going to start looking at consumer credit most of the uh, investors are going to start investing more into consumer credit and should be a very interesting year to see you know like we've already seen credit becoming unicorn you're going to see some more coming through it's a very interesting year to keep a, keep a track of that um, i think there's a question being asked twice which is how do you how does one achieve work life balance uh, with the team 
Um, good question, Patisha. And, you know, uh, sometimes it feels like you're working much more harder than we used to, uh, simply because you know you're no longer doing a commute back and forth. Uh, but it's important also not to forget that to have those personal conversations, to be personally connected, to give a chance for some of these people that are on your team that are probably uh, used to coming to office. You know, they, they may be from a different city altogether and therefore living in a very small accommodation without any family. They have an avenue to, to vent out. They have an avenue to, to talk. Uh, you know, last year we did, we did a lot of fun and games that were run from the house. We did treasure hunt. We did uh, you know, played different games. We had a, a movie. You know, we had a movie night, and we had you know a day where we all just uh, grabbed it. I grabbed a uh, a glass of uh, of alcohol and just you know hung out for a cup for an hour or so. It was all all pretty fun and games. Uh, it is still difficult, I think, just to miss the miss miss the human touch. Uh, but you know, try to reach out to your people, right? Try to reach out to to them. Try to keep a close uh, uh, close eye. This is a good time because uh, it's also easy now for you to just have a good check in people. Maybe have a list and you make sure that you check in with everybody once in every seven to ten days. See how things are going. Maybe just having a chat that is non business like uh, and uh, ensuring that you know whatever. Is bothering them. They're aware that there is a, that you're there. You're available, uh, and uh, they should feel that they're connected to a greater whole, and that uh, they're not there by themselves. I think that's what's important. What's my view on the film industry, Sridham? Good question. Good question. Yeah, I, I mean, I I think this is a very wide question. I I definitely see that. I don't know. I don't know how movie going is going to be. I have an investment in a company called Jadus from from the fund, uh, and uh, they're making these mini theaters. I think that could be the future. I think these large theaters, whether you know PVRs and IMAXs of, of the world, will can afford to pay so much rent uh, and take on the risk of another pandemic happening. I mean, people are not going to forget this easily, right? Um, and I don't know how much social distancing you can do with such expensive real estate. So to me, I think small mini theaters, you know, scattered around the scattered around the length and breadth of India, makes a lot of sense. People getting movies streamed directly to their house makes a lot of sense. Uh, I think uh, you know a uh, lot of these actors, a lot of these uh, even your even your uh, celebrities, right? They may not be actors as well. Uh, they've they've definitely seen a huge loss in revenue because a lot of these. Uh, Openings are not happening. A lot of these uh, places where they went and performed and they made additional income, all of that is not happening. Many of them are also looking to augment incomes, and this could be a great time for building a platform that uh, allows uh, some of these people to be accessible uh, for them to make some additional capital. You know, a lot of these platforms where you can, you know, where they uh, pay celebrities for birthday wishes. I think you, you might see some more stuff happening there. Uh, more because the supply side is available and it's going to take some time before this entire disruption uh, is taken care of. So your A-listers are okay, maybe even your B-listers are okay. When you start moving out of that ecosystem, all your character artists, all the people that are celebrities but not not but not really uh, A-listers or B-listers, you know, those those could really be in in some bit of financial trouble uh, if they don't find alternative sources of income. And I think over there you might see some very interesting stuff happening, and uh, you know, their supply is available. Um, let's take another question. This is from Praj Prajnayasis Biswal. I think you go by PB. 
Sorry if I mispronounced that. Uh, what is your take on esports and gaming market of India? And I I think this uh, current uh, new lockdown probably just gave a second wind to the entire gaming space space in India. I think uh, I was just reading yesterday about uh, Zynga, which announced its quarterly results. And the fact that in the U.S. and Europe, which is their primary markets, even though even though people are started going back to the office, they had not seen a drop off in terms of uh, user engagement, which was very interesting. So people were still playing those games. People were still on their platform, and in fact, they made a pretty large acquisition yesterday, a quarter quarter billion dollar acquisition. Uh, and I, I think uh, some very interesting uh, stuff to think about that that uh, people are getting hooked on. I know for a fact, I, I think all my friends on this Ludo game, uh, and it's been 18, uh, 12, 12 or 13 months now, and they're still playing Ludo every day. And I don't know how they play it, I, 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 but they, they're, they're playing, there's games, there's contests, there's all this stuff going on. So it's definitely uh, addictive, and I'm sure the you know, Mr. Agarwal who owns uh, Ludo uh, is laughing his way to the bank at this point. But uh, so there, there, there is there is some permanent behavioral change happening. Uh, so it could be very interesting to to see if, if there was some interesting very uh, game that, that could be uh, that could hook a user's attention that could provide enough innovation that people want to keep playing it uh, day in and day out. Uh, it could it could lead to some very interesting outcomes. Uh, so yeah, definitely esports and gaming uh, has a lot of uh, potential uh, in India. I, I think some of those. Uh, Contests that some of these platforms are looking at doing contests in India uh, could all be virtual now. Uh, something definitely uh, very interesting. I think it's a very it's a new industry uh, that is opening up for something like travel tech, which is completely frozen because of the pandemic. Do you think one should approach investors or keep it for a later date when things hopefully normalizes? Yeah, I think so, Darshan. Uh, Again, this wasn't a question really about fundraising, but more about approaching investors and approaching it from that angle. Um, see, it's not the greatest time to be talking about travel tech uh, to investors simply because we don't know we don't know when this thing is going to turn around. We don't know how this thing is going to uh, how 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 we're going to get out of this, uh, and, and, you know, and how things are going to be once once things are reopened. Because I think the whole concept of normal. And what is normal business is going to go through a, a paradigm shift uh, once uh, things hopefully normalize. Um, so to me, I would say that uh, if you do not really need the capital, if, you don't, if you're not really in the market and you can survive, uh, don't go out there. Right? Chances are you're going to have to you're going to have to work ten times as harder as any time in the history of travel travel tech to be raising uh, capital um, and. Also, you lose the ability to be fresh uh, with some of these investors, right? If, some, if something comes to an investor and it's been out there for a long time, you start losing uh, you start losing luster with, with the investor as it is. So even though you might be doing well, just because they've seen the fundraise for, open for way too long can uh, can lead to some uh, some negative uh, aspects for you. So again, I, I would I would if you can avoid it, avoid it. If you can't avoid it. And you have to absolutely you must raise money or go under. Listen, man, it's at that point you gotta do what you gotta do. Right? Go out there, raise money, don't worry about the valuation, focus on survival. 
eventually, you know, Mark Cuban's uh, dialogue is the one that I always uh, refer back to. That you you might just, you must decide whether you want ten percent of a watermelon or eighty percent of a grape. Uh, and, and if if you once you answer that question, you pretty much have you know you know what you need to do. Great questions. Thank you so much, guys, for once again putting up these questions. I'll take maybe a couple more minutes. Uh, so if someone wants to ask questions about business continuity during COVID times, how to deal with the COVID's impact on your business, you know, a couple of minutes uh, to ask any questions. Otherwise, I'll, I'll uh, you know, take your leave and we'll be back next week. We've got some amazing guests coming in, but I thought this was a great uh, opportunity. A uh, lot of founders asking questions, you know, have been affected by the by the new rolling uh, lockdowns. Uh, they've been uh, asking questions. There's, there's been some concern about what to do with the business, and I thought this would be a great opportunity for uh, founders to ask those kind of questions. Uh, I'll take this question. Oh, this is Varun. Hi, Varun. Uh, how to work with a team that is not remote friendly? Uh, unfortunately, remote. Uh, if if they're not remote friendly, Varun, the the best way now is to is to really uh, put remote friendly down their throat because uh, if if they have to survive, if we all have to survive, if we all have to work through this crisis, people are going to have to become comfortable uh, working online, working remotely, working, and if they can't, you know, find somebody else who will, because this is not the time for people to be obstinate. This is not not the time for people to for anyone, right? Whether it is even my own father is now working from 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 home and, and trading stocks from home, and he's been working, he's been trading stocks at his office for the last forty years, right? So even he's had to adapt. He's, you know, trading through the internet and stuff like that, which he hasn't done in the past. So if he can, if he can adapt, you know, you're not a tree, right? You can move. And so people are not willing to move, then then you know you can't you can't bet your business on someone who does not want to move in a time of crisis, right? So you know, no one's a tree. This is the time to to be nimble. This is the time to be uh, accepting of the change that is coming our way, and might as well uh, you know make that uh, make that edit. If they're not willing to do it, shove it down their throat. And even then, if they're not not willing to do it, then find somebody else who will. Find somebody else who will adapt to the situation. Uh, if they can't, then it becomes very difficult to run a business uh, when uh, when you know the see. It's not like it's not like your choice that you're trying to shut. You know, you're trying to work remotely, right? This is. Something that has been bestowed upon you because of what the situation is outside, and, and you're trying to do business. And if people are not willing to, if your team, some people of your team are not willing to uh, accept that, then you might as well uh, think about uh, who it is that you're really trying to save. Right? Uh, let's see. Milap Singh Jadeja, you ask, hi, your take on the restaurant industry as in dine-ins, how do they pivot? Is there enough space for ghost kitchens in tier two and tier three cities? Lots of questions there, Milap, but uh, I mean, you have to pivot, right? I mean, I, I think, and this is going to be very interesting once things uh, start reopening again, is that are people going to return back to restaurants? Right. And I, th I think people were just getting comfortable when we started having these lockdowns again, uh, and just looking at the way things have gone around the world, where you know now there are certain parts of the world that are going through one more round, right, uh, and one more round of lockdowns besides India. Uh, so it's a very interesting one to figure out. Uh, so my take would be that uh, restaurants will 
probably want to move out of expensive retail locations and and have uh, a lot of their business also happening from home and that's a prop that's probably a pivot that is forced upon you you might as well accept it uh, but this could also be a great time for some of the restaurants that I have or restaurant chains that have some capital to lock in some very interesting rents right if you can uh, at this moment you could probably get into places like uh, where earlier maybe outside your reach uh, but you could get into some very interesting rental contracts. You know, I've got a few friends in the, the commercial, uh, in the uh, commercial uh, real estate industry, and they've been telling me that there are some very interesting deals that are happening, very interesting structures that are taking place. And you could probably go out there and and renegotiate rent, or you could find a relocation and even you know, even negotiate maybe a few months where you don't pay rent because things are open and normal, or even do some sort of a revenue share model with the landlord because uh, they all know that if, if if uh, things persist the way they are, they could, you know, they could be looking at a significant loss of revenue, uh, even after after things open up, right? You, you, and, and so they're willing to, they're very open now to making some interesting uh, deals. So if you're in the restaurant restaurant industry and you have to be front facing for some reason, it while while you know while the current business might require you to obviously be in a cloud kitchen format, you could still make some very interesting deals and be prepared for when things open up. Could be something something to look into uh, for you. Uh, Shriram, I honestly, because of the next, because of this wave, we are not sure when this thing uh, would, would reopen. Um, but I'm expecting that probably by mid-June, I can give you an update and I will definitely make sure that, that this update is uh, shared with everyone. So I'm also very excited, looking forward to this show. I think India needed its own version of a Shark Tank, and this was a very good format. Uh, unfortunately, uh, because of the situation that has been on the ground, and as you can see, the, even the IPL had to be shut down because of, uh, despite them having a massive budget and everything that was there at their disposal. So instead of taking a risk with people's lives, instead of taking a risk with uh, you know, everyone that had to be a part of the show, I think they postponed it. Hopefully by mid June we should be in some level of uh, of uh, production. People will always return to restaurants. Yeah, people might, but the question is: it, Is it going to be as busy as, as it used to be? Yeah, I think that's what my real real big question is. Uh, and how many of the existing ones will survive? I think the ones that were very quick at adapting many, many of the restaurants in my area where, my, where our offices are, they've given up the entire real estate. They just said, we can't, we can't afford the rent, might as well just shut it down. Uh, and I'm sure that once things open up and things stabilize and once they've had a chance to look at the market again, they'll probably come back in a new form, a new, in a new avatar. But as of now, many of them have just said, you know what, uh, it's, just better to, it's just better to be dormant. It's just better, better to go into a freeze uh, a deep freeze for now until things stabilize, until things are conducive for us to come back. And, uh, many of them have actually moved from a uh, a uh, physical format to a completely cloud kitchen format. Uh, so we continue to enjoy some of the stuff that we, we love to eat at the office, but now it just gets delivered at home. Uh, but it's uh, it's something that we'll have to wait and watch, definitely. I would, uh, I think, Ashutosh has a question of what do you think about the future of smart contracts? Yeah, I, I mean, 
we've had, I mean, I think blockchain is what you're really talking about. Uh, we're getting there slowly but steadily, right? I think we're getting there. Uh, while we not have a, we, we might not be using direct blockchain in a very direct, uh, or the, the traditionalist or the purest form of the word, but we have been utilizing certain ways uh, of uh, smart contracts even today. Uh, may not be as complicated or as advanced as you might like it to be, but there is some version of that happening today. And uh, hopefully the government and, and you know, because of the way things are uh, working right now, uh, there is going to be some push uh, to make to legal to you know to have a deeper penetration of the blockchain in our lives. Uh, we'll, we'll have to wait and watch. I, I think it's too early to, to talk about it right now, but I think maybe in in about three to six months, once we've got, once the government has got some handle on this virus, and then they've got some time to start rethinking about the way business is getting done, uh, you'll see some of this stuff uh, probably becoming mainstream for us. All right, guys, I think we've had a great session. I, again, I had allocated maybe 30, I thought maybe we would have 30 minutes worth of questions, but uh, you know, we've had almost 50 minutes in, and it seems the questions are still flowing in. I think. Uh, Take a last couple of few. So if you've got some questions, again, just put it down in the comment section. What do I think about urban farming? Hey, uh, I, I have, I mean, I have good things to say. I'm yet not sure that, I mean, urban farming was very popular more in the West, uh, where their cities are not as polluted as the ones that we have in our cities. Uh, so I'm not really sure whether urban farming really works when you think about Mumbai, Delhi, where there's a lot of pollution out there. Uh, we have an investment in a company called Farmers FZ, which is very interesting because they're tying up directly with farmers. It's like a farm to fork model. I think that is probably more suitable for the kind of cities we live in. Uh, Rishikesh, you know, many of us don't have large enough accommodations in the major cities. You know, we don't have real estate is extremely expensive in Bombay. So you know, unless I'm an Ambani or something, I, I may not have enough space uh, to be growing a vertical or or uh, or any kind of garden inside my house. Uh, so for me, maybe a farm to fork model works much better. Uh, but uh, Maybe in some of those tier two, tier three towns, uh, the real estate is not as expensive. You can probably see that, but I don't see that really in the major cities. I think major cities is farm to fall. That's the way. Uh, I know someone's asking questions. Dheeraj, you're asking questions about fundraising. Trust me, this is not the, not the platform. Best way to just, if you want to go you know, if you're looking for that, just ask me questions on AMA. Happy to, uh, happy to answer that over there. Uh, the AMA link, which is www.showmethemoney.com forward slash AMA. Ashu, I'll answer this question. Interesting, has has have our expectations changed? Uh, no, I mean again, I'm talking about myself probably, uh, but I am way more optimistic about this. Uh, the way Indian founders will recover from this uh, this lockdown than I was last time. Right? I think last time this was that was our first experience in almost two decades or three decades before we had seen a lockdown many of us had not seen a lockdown our entire lives maybe last time I was a lot more concerned maybe there was a bit of fear uh, when i looked at the lockdown not this time i think this time indian i mean indian founders have been very tenacious I and mean, many of us have i'm just seeing how quickly they've pivoted how quickly they've 
you know, caught on to new business trends and we've been extremely uh, fortunate to have such founders in our portfolio uh, and see such founders, even, even the ones that are not in my portfolio. And they pivoted very quickly. They picked up, uh, you know, where the lacunas are going to be and they've been able to pivot uh, from whatever business they were doing uh, to new stuff. So I'm not, uh, I'm pretty positive. I think over the next, uh, we're, we're going to be pretty aggressive with our investing. You know, we're looking at keeping a pace of almost one investment every three weeks for the next uh, 12 months. Uh, so that would put us at about 15 investments for the year, uh, 15 to 17 for the year. And I think, uh, I think, I think looking at our pipeline, looking at the way things are, we're going to continue with that at least for the next, uh, next eight to 10 weeks. Uh, sorry, at least the next, you know, 10 to 15 weeks. And then, then maybe just take a breather and see if, if, uh, if we need to relook at our strategy. But as of now, I'm, I'm very positive and very aggressively looking for deals uh, to, to do at this point. Um, here, quick, I'll just ask my team if you guys could just share the link uh, for AMA. I'll just put it over here for you in the comment section. I can't, uh, can someone, somebody from the team just uh, send the link on on LinkedIn to Dheeraj because he's asking a question that needs to go on here. All right, guys, I think uh, we've had a great, again, a great session tonight. And thank you so much for all the questions. I know a lot of you guys sent your questions prior to uh, and a lot of people asking questions during the episode. Uh, and I'm really, really thankful that I could be of any help. Again, if you have any questions, you can always reach out to me. There's a uh, there is a link which is www.showmethemoney, which is s h o w m e d a m a n i dot com forward slash a m a. That's the that's the link where you can ask me a question, uh, and my team and I we try to get back to you here. Uh, I think uh, it's a m a, not ask me anything. You guys could please correct that. It's uh, showmethemoney.com forward slash a m a, uh, and uh, we will be happy to answer that uh, for you. Great. Thank you so much. Have a great evening, everybody. We'll see you next week. We've got a great guest coming up. So stay tuned next week. Once again, 9 p.m. Good night. And please stay safe. Stay socially distant and wear a mask. Keep it up. Thanks. <laughs>